and bewilderment, um, which Charlie, the central character, goes through, which uh, is very much, I think, capturing the zeitgeist, which is what I, I loved about it. So in, in some senses, it was quite difficult because it's quite dark and quite emotional in places. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but it is an extraordinary journey. And it, it, it threw its challenges up, particularly with the, the mutability of the gender of the various harbingers, because sometimes they were male and sometimes they were female which was interesting and it sort of added to the sort of slightly disconnected feeling of it, which, uh, can I say what I said to you on Twitter? Yeah. I, I said to her, this should be for Booker. I think it's that good. Ooh. I really think it's that good and I think everybody should read it. I mean, I completely agree with most of the things that Claire has written. <laughs> Everyone should read them. It, it, it just, but don't you feel that it did? Yeah. It captured the sort of sort of helplessness, actually. We're sort of helpless in the face of, you know, the bullies have got the whip hand and we're all going... What mm. did when did when did we say that was okay? Yeah, you know, and they and they seem to have an answer for every objection. So, were you still writing this when Brexit happened? Then I got to copy edits when Brexit happened, so I couldn't do that much to change it. Mm. But there's lots of incidental dialogue in there, which you can throw in a bit of Brexit, boating with boat face, scandal of democracy kind of stuff. But mm. it was too late to change the plot. But um, joyfully, when I was editing it. My American publisher's coming to me going, I feel this is not necessarily an accurate representation of America. I feel you're kind of really overplaying kind of the populism and the, the sense that Trump might win. And then the morning after Trump won, I got to email her going, right, so <laughs> you were saying? <laughs> yep. Um, so it kind of, wow. in that sense, the fact that we're all a bit buggered worked out quite well. I was like, thank you, world. Keeping up. Royalty check. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish you weren't buggered. Yeah. I mean, of course. But you, your books generally have some kind of underlying theme of something that you're passionate about or that is to do with worldly events. Unconsciously, yes. It is an unconscious thing. I've always been taught to put the story first and put the characters first, which I always aim to do. But unfortunately, I am who I am and who that is will seep into the text regardless, which mm. is why I never read it again, because I'm like, I don't want to learn any truths about myself. But it's there. Who I am will seep out. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing, having read your books. I really don't. <laughs> it's it's uh, going to shatter the impression that I'm effortlessly witty and casually sexy. It's just going to be like, oh, what a shame. It works for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, having sat and spoken to you multiple times now, not just here, you are witty. <laughs> in real life, you are witty. And it definitely comes across in your writing. So that's great. You're, you're, a, very, you're a very droll Twitterer as well. <laughs> that would be the sarcasm. <laughs> Um, and Peter, I have a question for you. So um, of Claire's books, they're all sort of standalone, but you've also done some really long series for, I mean, you've, you've narrated, I believe, over 50 titles already. Um, over 70 titles. Over 70. I mean, if you include going back. I they, do, I would love. Oh, over 100 titles, but a lot of those were in the charitable sector. Mm. Um, uh, I've, hilariously, I've recorded for, um, for the RNIB all Five, I think it is now, of Paul O'Grady's autobiographies. Doing the whole lot as Paul O'Grady, which drove me nuts. I was going overnight talking like this. It's driving me mad. <laughs> and you've just told us why you are a fabulous narrator. <laughs> please continue. Oh, I don't know about that. No, please don't. Not, <laughs> in, that, <laughs> no, not, not, not in that accent. No, no, dear God. Um, yeah, I've, I've done lots of series. I mean, I, I, I kind of, my, my kind of break into commercial audiobooks really was, was with Ian Banks's books, who, you know, I'm still missing desperately with a fantastic voice. And um, I, I was asked to to record The Steep Approach to Garbadale, which is his first book after he'd taken a break through various sort of personal family reasons. And um, 
And I was kind of just blown away, like, well, yeah, boy, we do I. And then subsequently he asked me to record all the other, other books that came out afterwards. And then they got me to do the back catalogue when we found out the dreadful news, you know, which was kind of pretty shattering. But then very kindly, they found me someone who I think is definitely up there with him. So I, certainly in terms of literary writing and, mm. and interest. So not mentioning any names for watching the eyes for. Fabulous. Um, and Claire, last time you were here, you said that you are a very big fan of audiobooks. What do you look for in a narrator? Either, obviously, Peter, who's narrating your books, or if you were to listen to something? I think it's probably a hangover from years in theatre as well. I look for not noticing what's happening. It's that thing where you, kind of, you can hear someone acting, you can hear someone trying. And if you're hearing that, you're not in the story. And so the best theatre, the best film, the best almost anything, the best books are the ones where you don't necessarily spot it. And at the end, you turn around and go, that was 